Hello, my name is Tom Chick. You're listening to the Quarter to Three podcast, where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the games that matter to them. Today we are here with Corey Cooperman, who posts as Ephraim. Uh, Corey, hello. Thank you for uh, joining me today. And the first question, why on earth would you post as Ephraim? Uh, it's it's really quite, it's my Hebrew name. So it's, uh, I was uh, playing a mush, a world of time based mush. I needed the name of a desert warrior and I thought, hey, those ancient Hebrews knew something about deserts. So I went with that. Very good. Uh, that as, as an old, as an erstwhile Old Testament scholar, that, that yeah. gets a thumbs up for me. Most people just think of some, like, like my name when I was a kid playing D&D was something I just got out of Dune. Uh, so <laughs> well done. Well, I'm impressed you pronounce it properly. So I knew there had to be a reason. And then well, I remember the biblical scholar part. And as, as I mentioned to you before we recorded, I had been confusing your name with uh, with another Old Testament name, which is why you got a little three-dog night at the beginning there. There's a scene in Brazil where it's sort of a deus ex machina where Sam figures out a password based on the anagram of Jeremiah. So when I would see your name, I would think, oh, he either... It's something to do with the Old Testament, or it's a nod to Brazil, which obviously it's not because I totally screwed the name up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been. A, I need to rewatch Brazil. It's been a while. Brazil holds up, yeah. By the way, so you are a big movie guy. Like you're always in the movies for them. You seem to. You're one of those guys where I'm like, okay, well, like I'll see. There's a maybe a dozen posters where if I see their name on a movie post, I sort of mentally trip a flag. Like, okay, I want to pay attention to what he said. Uh, yeah, I, I would save. I'd save all the forums at QT3. Uh, movies would be the one I spend the least amount of. I uh, know uh, politics and religion. Sorry. Then yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of its own website in a way, isn't it? <laughs> mm, right, right, exactly. Now you're also a uh, like I before we started. I you can sort somebody's like posting history by posts, and your account activity is full of stuff in like the iPhones game section or stuff about plants versus zombies. You you seem, just by somebody looking over your posting history, like somebody who's into casual and handheld games only. That, that wow. can't be fair, is it? That... <laughs> no, no. And that, and actually, you know what? It's only recently that that's even come close to being the truth. Uh, I'm still pretty heavy. Mostly, I'd say most of my gaming is done on the Xbox 360. But okay. um, more and more lately, uh, I just don't have a lot of time. So the casual stuff has been more more popular with me. Uh, you mentioned that you were starting grad school. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm a first-year doctoral student in clinical psychology. Whoa, wow, okay. And this is in, uh, I see on Skype, you are not in America. You are a foreigner, is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. I'm one of your neighbors to the north. Uh, I'm, I'm from Canada, and I'm at uh, McGill University in Montreal. Uh, and are you the kind of guy who went straight from college to grad school, or have you had some real-life experience on the way to grad school? Oh, yeah, no, I've been uh, all over the place. You know those weird author biographies that have, like, strange things like taking care of chickens or, you know, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, like, a CV that looks like that. Uh spent some time as a, as a first responder, as an ambulance attendant, uh, worked in some hospitals, uh, then got into IT, actually, and that was where I first kind of touched on the game world. Uh, yeah, worked for a company that... And I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. We built a DRM uh, for games Ooh. specifically to allow for, yeah, rental. Uh, you know, interesting concept. And, and it may have been liberating, but it, it was doing a bunch of nasty things that I, I really was doing for the buck, you know, just to, just to make some, some 
cash, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, do it today given the choice. Okay, well you know where else that argument doesn't play the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, I, there I am doing something I absolutely do not believe in. But well, like I said, there was a there was a correlate to the technologies. It allowed for game rental of like full full blown games, so you could play the full game for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and then it would cut itself off. And I thought that was actually pretty cool because uh, it wasn't just the trials or the demos. You you would actually get a real taste of the software and decide if you want to buy it or, mm-hmm. pay, or pay for more time. You didn't even have to play through the game if you just got sick that you could stop. Now, now, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to derail the podcast or anything, but I, I am actually one of those guys who, in in piracy discussions, it's it's fashionable to sort of have this knee jerk anti DRM perspective, but I, I fully support the the difficulty that, that publishers, and not just in gaming, but in, in music and in movies, in books, even. You know, I I fully understand what a struggle it can be, and I know there have to be guys who deal with DRM and and. You're not bad guys. It's just a necessity. It's part of the changing scene. So, right. you know, yeah. It, look, yeah, exactly. The publishers, you know, they want to make money. So we were trying to provide them with a tool that would help them do that. Right. So, even if everybody else on Quarter Three hates you for working on DRM, <laughs> I'm right here with you, Corey. So. Oh no, yeah, it was. Uh, I was completely against my will. So, also, we are recording here in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had a nice coffee. You, on the other hand, you're having a little tea. And when right. I asked you about that. You said something that I, I'm not sure I believe, so I, I just wanted to verify this. You have not – you've been through all this life experience as an EMT, doing IT. Now you're, you're, uh, you're in grad school. All this time, you've only started drinking coffee a couple of months ago? Yeah, yeah. I think I started September 2nd, the day I started uh, class. I just thought I would need it. And uh, I, I think one of the other things happens, I read that coffee thread and everything else. And people made coffee sound so good. I was convinced I should try it. Uh, I don't remember what came first. Uh, I started tasting a bit and then read the thread, mm-hmm. or, uh, or if I started, uh, or if I read the thread then started. But uh, yeah, it's worked out well. I've kind of developed a taste for it. So how did that? How did that go as an adult? Sitting down, trying because coffee's bitter. It's an acquired oh, yeah. taste. It's not something. How did that? Were you having to put a bunch of milk and sugar in it? How does an adult grow to like coffee? Yeah, no milk. Uh, just the thought of the milk and water combining. Like even my tea, I don't think <laughs> I put milk in there. That's not my thing. But I do dump two Splendas in there, and that's Splenda is like the equivalent of uh, uh, two teaspoons of sugar. So it's sure. it's pretty intense. Uh, and so that's how you, that's how you did it. Is you have to cut the taste with sugar, like a little baby who can't handle his coffee. <laughs> yeah, uh, though I'm weaning myself off of it. I think I'm down to about one and a half Splendas now. So <laughs> there may come a time when I'm drinking the thing black. Well, well, welcome to the world of coffee. And so you, you haven't, have you actually started classes in grad school or that's coming up? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I've started. I've had uh, one pretty much full semester of it. I'm just, I'm done now so for a little take home ethics exam. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a clinical psychology grad school. It's uh, pretty much what you would expect from it. Now, as someone who's been through grad school as well, I can imagine this must be eating into your gaming time. Yeah, and that's certainly behind the shift to more casual stuff. Though I did just go on a, you know, a, a, a spree of buying. Of, I haven't played anything yet other than New Super Mario Brothers Wii, but uh, I also picked up Assassin's Creed 2 and Modern Warfare 2. They're still in their wrappers, but they'll come out during the holidays. Wow. So I, I don't know. If you've, if you've got these two great games, they're still in their yeah. wrapper. You, you bought a Wii game. You're playing things on the iPhone. Corey, I would say you were a stone's throw from playing nothing but Farmville. 
<laughs> I don't know. I say, yeah, uh, yeah. I said I, I, I'll also admit to being an absolutely unrepentant Mafia Wars player. Now you're lying about that. Tell me you, that that was a joke. It was a funny joke, but that's not true, right? You do not uh, actually play Mafia yeah. Wars on Facebook. Pleading the fifth. Ugh. Uh, so I noticed, by the way, uh, and this is an advantage I have being on Skype with you. There's a picture of you on Skype, and this sets off a flag for me. Being a guy in LA who's an actor. That looks like a headshot. Do you do the actor thing? Like, how come you've got this, like, really, uh, it, it just looks, like, so perfect and actory. Why do you have oh, a shot like that? I totally forgot that I put that up there. But, uh, no, I just got married. Uh, not, uh, ah, it's a wedding picture. <laughs> a wedding picture, yeah. Okay. That's kind of like a headshot, in a way, for an actor. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, the game you want to talk about today... If we can jump to that. Oh, actually, before we jump to the game, I don't know if you guys could hear. You apparently have company in your room with you. Did you say there's a cat in there? She is sleeping on my laptop, which I've closed. I'm using the external monitor right now. It's it's warm. It's cranky. I was using. I was running the what's it? Folding at home, and it just heats the laptop way up. She loves it. She curls up right on it. And that attracts cats. Uh, what what kind oh, of cat do you have there? Uh, she's, uh, I adopted her from the Humane Society. She's just a domestic short hair, and I named her Pixie, which actually ties directly into the, the game we're going to be talking about. You named your cat after an MMO, is that correct? Well, I, I named her after one of the, uh, the mobs in an MMO, yeah. But, you know, there were other reasons, the, the band, uh, the, the sticks. There's lots of Pixies out there that I enjoyed. So, ah, uh, very good. See, if I'd known that, we could have started with a Pixies song. Uh, if, if you could pick a Pixies song to introduce yourself with, what would it be? Uh, wave of mutilation. You know, I love the Pixies, but so, that song is maybe it's just because I don't like playing it in rock bands so much. But that's I think of that as like a and I don't know I, that's a boring Pixies song to me. I remember it from Pump Up the Volume, like a classic '80s movie. So that's why it's I'm, it's, I'm fond of it. Good, good. Because I have to say I'm one of those Johnny Come Latelys who only got into the Pixies after Fight Club. Because you know there's a oh, Pixie yeah. song that ends that, and I'm like, wow, that's a cool song. What, what's this? What's this newfangled band? And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just me coming late to the, the Pixies. Uh, well, I was fairly late too. Well, I mean, they were they were so like uh, you know integral into so many bands' formations. But uh, I think anytime you get into the Pixies is a good time because they're timeless. Now here's uh, I don't get to gloat about many things in life, but here's one that I am very fond of gloating about. Have you ever gotten to see the Pixies live? I have not. I've heard uh, they're quite crazed, so I, I would love to. I, I was so pl- I, I was just sort of expecting uh, them to be kind of old and washed up and out of practice, and I, I just showed up. It was at a Coachella, an outdoor uh, a band event thing here in Southern California, and they were just so on fire and vital, and and they they were so just polished and good and it was sort of like they had never broken up and gone their own way like they'd been practicing together still after all these years it was it, mm. it was just an almost transcendent musical experience so <laughs> i'm jealous yep and you didn't get any feeling of the hate they have apparently for one another I mean, you know what no because yeah there's there's all this tension supposedly but mm. they just clicked i mean I don't know, maybe it's my own nostalgia or maybe that sort of thing you can easily ignore when you're on stage and there's all that energy. Uh, but, God, it was just an amazing show. They opened for Radiohead, and I never would have thought that I would be disappointed when Radiohead came on stage. I was wow, like, yeah. you guys, Tom York, you guys go back. We're, we don't bring Frank Black and all those others back out. We don't want to see you. <laughs> so, All right, so the game you want to talk about, 
why on earth do you want to talk about Dark Age of Camelot, which is an old, outdated, ugly MMO that nobody plays anymore? At the time, it was cutting edge. I mean, uh, why do I, I want to talk about it? Because it's the game that, I honestly, I've spent the most time playing, hands down. There's no question I would probably qualify it as having an addiction to it. And, and I, you know, I guess I, I, I'm lucky, and then I get to be the first person to talk about an MMO. Uh, someone, I'm sure, will take uh, World of Warcraft eventually, but this, this builds us up to what World of Warcraft became. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... It's part of the history of it. It introduced a few core key concepts, uh, the realm versus realm combat in particular, the three sides. Uh, not that three sides was new by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, that had been around from the RTSs. But, uh, mm-hmm. And as well, I mean, I just I love the game enough that I actually wrote a chapter in one of the strategy guides. So ah. uh, yeah, I'm willing to talk about that. Now, do you know offhand if what I had just said, I was just being sort of facetious, I was trolling you, uh, mm. are those things true? Is it? And actually, here's a dumb question. It's still going, right? There's still people. Yeah, it, uh, I was just looking at the Wikipedia entry in preparation for this. That's my the depth of the research I was willing to do. <laughs> and uh, apparently 50,000 subscribers roughly still going. So. Uh, and do you yeah. have a sense for whether or not it holds up? Or That's probably a loaded question because that would sort of assume you're still playing MMOs. But uh, right. do, do you have a sense for is, is are these 50,000 people uh, sad, backward uh, people attached to an outdated game, or do you want? Do you, do you think maybe it holds up? From what my understanding is, it, I think it, it would hold up. If I were to pop it back in, I would enjoy it. I mean, the graphics are not anywhere near where you know, MMOs have moved towards. Even though you know WoW may not even be as processor intensive, it's just you know the art style on WoW is a little more cartoony. They didn't go for that realism, so graphically probably wouldn't be so amazing. But I think the core gameplay would hold up very well. So before we talk about that, I'd, I'd be curious to hear, how did you come to Dark Age of Camelot? Yeah, it was, it was you know, I had never played an MMO before. Uh, I had, uh, I, I don't even know that I'd even heard of EverQuest, which was the big one that people had been playing prior to uh, Dark Age coming out. Uh, I was in the store uh, with a buddy. We were in a, an you know, a software electronics store, and... Uh, I saw the title, and I had loved the Mok which I'd read in, in the college. Uh, so I thought, oh, Arthurian legend game. That sounds really cool. Picked it up. And did you know that this was like a, an online subscription-based game, or did you just think, hey, RPG? It, it was on the box. I guess I didn't really know what it meant exactly. I just thought, oh, well, okay, you, there's a subscription. Well, I, you know, there's this try-it-out-for-a-month thing uh, that came with the box, and well, I'll give it a go and... At worst, you know, I'm I'm out the whatever the cost of the box was at that time. Now, at this point, were you, had you previously been into single player RPGs, or was it mainly the draw of the Arthurian legend stuff? I think it was the draw of the Arthurian legend. I had played, you know, uh, over the course of time. Uh, you know, going back, you know, listening to the Ultima podcast last week, I played some Ultima ages ago. You know, as a, as a teenager, uh, and I played some Wizardry and some Bard's Tale. So. It's not that it was new completely to me, the genre. It's just uh, this was the first time that I was willing to, you know, go online with it. Mm-hmm. And, and tell me a bit about your early days with it. So you, so you start playing. Uh, it's a whole new model, something you'd never experienced before. What was that like? How did that unfold for you? Yeah, I guess the thing that comes to me first is that there was the, the conversations that <laughs> – 
you know, the, I didn't join an RP server, so it wasn't that people were using the Bs and the DAOs, and thank goodness for that. It was, I, you know, I joined just a, I randomly picked a server. I think it, I let it assign me to one. Uh, and I just, suddenly, I, there was this flood of people chatting about things that I didn't understand 99% of. Now, the, the acronyms that I guess we take for granted nowadays, but they're just rolling by, and I'm trying to figure out, oh, well, I've got to create this character. Oh, that had already been done. And then I, there was this concept of, did I do it right? And, and then there was you know, fighting the, the, those level one mobs, whatever, rabbits or something ridiculously, you know, uh, innocent, <laughs> the frogs. I think it was frogs. And, and uh, just, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and, and what was, uh, so I think everybody remembers, I was going to say everybody remembers their first character, but that may not be true because some people will start a character and think as a test bed and then erase that and start again. Did you get attached to the very first character you played, or did you test around a little bit at first? Yeah, I, I managed to get it right the first time in that I created an acolyte, which is the very, it's, that's the proto-class for what was later to become a friar. So I had a, this healer class, because I, you know, I, I, I had been an EMT in the past, and uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, I'll do the healer thing. I mean, well, again, yeah, it matches my personality, what the hell? Uh, and do you remember your character's name? It was a uh, Brian. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, good. That makes sense. Uh, and so you, you're playing this, you're getting into it. Did you start to get into the social stuff, or were you more of a solo player early on? Uh, I, you know, I was social pretty quickly. Uh, I, I, I had this, uh, we bought the game together, so we were grouping from ah. the get. Uh, so he, he had never played one of these before as well, but at least there were the two of us. And then, you know, people were looking groups for the low-level quests, and I, I, I can vaguely remember the first time I grouped them. I didn't know how to do it. Like, they had to invite me or <laughs> however that worked. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, but then it was, we went out in games. So I played as Albion, I guess. Uh, I, well, I guess, I don't, should we go over some of the, like, the basic, the three realms of Dark of Camelot? Yes, absolutely. So, so I, that's yeah. one of the few things I know about uh, Dark Age of Camelot, is it does have the, the idea of three very different uh, I guess they're lands. Well, they're called realms, mm. but they're they're very different motifs, right? That's right. Yeah. So there's Albion, and that's that's the true Arthurian legend, the you know ancient Britain. Uh, then there's uh, Hibernia, based on Irish legends, uh, and then of course uh, Midgard, the, the Norse mythology, uh, were represented there. And, and which I, one were you uh, jumping into at first? So I went with Albion, just thinking, oh, Arthur, you know, that's that's what I bought the game for, so that's what I want to see. I can always check in on those other things later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember going out, and, and the fact that Stonehenge was there was just incredible. <laughs> uh, and I presume when you jump in, you have to pick one of these realms, right? And mm-hmm. you are, are they are they analogous to the factions, the sort of Horde and uh, whoever the good guys are in World of Warcraft? Well, I think World of Warcraft players would argue there are no good guys, you know, horde. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are, they are analogous. The three realms uh, each have their pluses and minuses, and you do choose one. And, and, and similar to World of Warcraft, they do try to avoid as much as possible assigning a value judgment. Uh, you know, that, that would keep players from joining it, or joining only because they want to play bad guys, or joining it because they want to play good. But you, but it does lock you into specific choices. Like, I think one of the tenets of good game design is forcing players to make choices that involve closing certain avenues that makes a choice harder. So when you choose Albion over the Irish or the Norse fellas, are there certain things you don't get? Or does it just feel like three different colors of the same flavor? 
No, the uh, the quests are different. The character classes are different. Uh, so the the choice when you make that first initial choice of where you're going to go, that dictates the way the game's going to play for you. And then of course, once you get to the end game and you're doing, you know, you're competing in realm versus realm uh, side of things, then that makes a huge difference because your loyalty will be to your realm, and you cannot communicate with the other sides. You can't have on the same server uh, a character, so you're prevented from from talking to those people uh, other than like off through offline methods. And that was one of the other things that uh, made me want to talk about Dark Ages Camelot. Uh, people took advantage of some offline methods and that was fairly unique, I think. Is that cheating? Well, you know, before we get into that, so then tell me a bit about, uh, and, and real quick, I'll tell you my experience with Dark Age of Camelot. Uh, I was writing for Computer Games Magazine at the time and they wanted to do a feature on MMO virgins, people who'd mm-hmm. never played MMOs. Uh, and I volunteered because I had never played them. Uh, my bag was more strategy games and shooters and, and RTSs. Uh, so I think it was uh, Cindy Yans was the editor, editor at that time assigning these. And I forget if I either picked or I got dumped into Dark Age of Camelot, but it meant nothing to me. It was just, okay, I'll try one of these MMOs. I didn't really know one from the other. Uh, I didn't know anything so about Was Dark Age your first as well? Yes, oh yes, absolutely. The first MMO I ever played. Uh, mm-hmm. So I remember sort of rolling up a character, not doing a lot of grouping stuff. I think I might have been like you in that there was one other person I was playing with. Uh, but anyway, so I'm online, and, and I distinctly recall, and this is this was the sort of cornerstone of the, the small article I eventually wrote. I distinctly recall the first time that this was something special. And I wish I knew more details about where it was, but I had strayed into an area where obviously I wasn't quite supposed to go yet. Uh, you know, an MMO gates where you can go and when you can go there by uh, how the enemies con, like how difficult they are for you to fight. Mm-hmm, right. And I just remember uh, wandering around and, and at one point realizing, oh, I'm not supposed to be here, and getting this real tangible sense of danger because whatever happened, I wouldn't be able to just reload a saved game. Uh, right. And there was this sense that here's this persistent world. It's got its own ecology. I can move through it how I will. But if I break the rules, I could be punished. Uh, and it was something that I hadn't really experienced in a game before. And I'm sorry to say I didn't play much beyond that. So my familiarity with it is it sort of stops at me <laughs> wandering a little too far from the newbie zone where I was supposed to be. Um, so I never experienced what I think is probably the main draw of Dark Age of Camelot and what it's most famous for, and that's the realm versus realm combat. Uh, yeah, I'd say you missed out if you were only exploring the newbie zones. Uh, well, you know, the, the PvE, like the player versus environment aspect of it, I, I never think was its strongest point. In fact, uh, it was it was the grind that you just wanted to get through uh, to get to the you know to be suitably strong to get to the uh, realm versus realm. So the realm versus realm was only uh, end game, is that correct? You know, you could do it throughout, and later, uh, I mean, you were prevented from going out into the frontiers in the initial phase of the game until level twenty, I believe. Uh, that changed afterwards. They they introduced these battlegrounds, these kind of little training areas for suitable for various ranges uh, all the way up until like the the top levels, um, and and so they got, eventually did change the model, but originally yeah, it was meant more for upper-level players who were uh, ready to do something besides just fight the uh, computer-controlled monsters. So when you were playing, tell me about your introduction and how you got into Realm vs. Realm. Uh, I think 
some kind of call went out over general chat that there was an attack of some kind going on um, and that everyone should meet on this this kind of it's a, I guess it's a little genre breaking. I don't remember how they did it. There's a teleport pad. I think they called it a, you know, it was a spell pad or whatever it was. And you would go there and that would transport you out into the, the realm versus realm areas. And I, I just remember, oh, there was this big need. And suddenly I, I had achieved a high enough level to get out there. And I rushed to respond to this, the realm's need to repel invaders. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was kind of like the fire alarm and the firemen sliding down the pole. It was just excitement and finally get to try this thing out. And how did that go for you? Was it, did you uh, die instantly and was it daunting or poorly. did you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fiasco. Uh, the class I had chosen, I'd say it was one of the most difficult to play. Uh, and, and I only got a real handle on it years into it. Be, be, now, is it because, and this is my experience, I, I, I'm like you, I was never an EMT, but I gravitate to playing healers. Is it because in multiplayer, everybody knows that you have to kill the healer first? Are you a that, big, fat, neon sign, like a target drawn on your back? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, that's number one. And the, pri- and the, and the friar is a secondary healer. He's a hybrid class, and that was the one I went with. Um, I didn't go with the pure healer in the end. I didn't choose the cleric. Like, the accolade could choose those, or at that point, could only choose those two paths. And the cleric had some great healing spells, like big, powerful ones, because that was his or her primary role. And uh, the friar was meant to be more a combination of melee fighting and healing. And so they, they would target you as if you were a healer, but you didn't have the ability to kind of stand up to the pounding by healing yourself or healing your group. So And you were probably challenge. even lulled into a false sense of, yeah, I'm, I'm part of melee class. I can fight. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. You, you make that mistake early on, and then it becomes more a question of, well, who can you fight and and being able to recognize that. And that was one of the nice things about the multi-realms is being able to recognize the other classes that you were going up against by the equipment they were carrying uh, became a bit of one of the talents that any good player who was interested in RVR had because you couldn't just ID who they were or what their class was. You had to recognize them by their equipment and eventually you would recognize them by their names. So by the character model, you're looking at the character model in the game, not a screen of their equipment, for instance. That's right, yeah. yeah. That was one of the things that, I mean, I, I remember reading on Fidget, you were complaining about kind of some of the flaws of MMOs and how a lot of the, the designs push you to kind of looking at your bar instead of looking out at the characters. But I think that was one of the things that the Dark Age did well. Mm-hmm. So how did you go from being a, a friar flailing around and, and constantly getting killed in Realm versus Realm combat to, I presume, you say you played it a lot, I presume you got really into Realm versus Realm. Is that what, uh, how did that work, and is that what you eventually ended up spending most of your time doing in Dark Age? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the vast majority of my time was spent there in the end. Uh, yeah, I don't think, the only yeah, any PvE, like, there were no big raids or any of that at that point. There, later expansions came out that kind of added that stuff. There was a little stuff here and there, but no, the, my main focus was that Realm versus Realm. How did I end up doing it? Well, I became involved with a guild. I think that was the first thing that happened. Is uh, so my friend and I had both joined the same one, and with a good group of people, we kind of put together a group that would go out regularly. And uh, then there was kind of the sense of the mythic. Uh, the, the developers added goals, like important goals, like you wanted to secure relics. That was the whole point of this RVR, and, and, and through securing these relics that you would raid um, and take away from the other realms. And uh, you would benefit the players that were in your realm. So they either would increase experience uh, in RVR or in, in the 
player versus environment game, so people would level faster in your realm. Mm-hmm. So there so, was some no reason to do it. So you're obviously not, this isn't a bunch of people at the level cap. I mean, there's still some track of advancement when you're doing RVR? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and that was one of the other things that I know the developers tried to push quite a bit is they started to up the, uh, the level of experience that you would get from uh, being out there in the frontiers where you could be potentially attacked by the other realm and doing PvE in the frontiers would, would increase your experience as well as you would, I'm saying, believe and you know, this is this may be my memory being faulty. They started adding experience for just fighting and killing other people. So you would start getting points, uh, experience points. So people would actually level through RBR to a certain extent, much more so in the battlegrounds. Uh, I know they were doing that quite a bit. So well, you mentioned before going to a teleport pad and jumping into the realm versus realm, and I got a, a mental image. These are these are instanced combats. Is that correct? Yeah. So well, in, it's slightly different in the sense of the WoW instance where you've got you know, your group uh, or I, I did what RBR is getting now. Um, I guess it was it was different from even that because on your server in these realms, everyone was there. So it wasn't that there were multiple occurrences of, say, you know, the, the, the Albion frontier. There was only one. So if, if the enemies had invaded it, that was it. That was the one. Everyone was in that same one. Mm-hmm. Like the 20 people or 100 people uh, that would at most in one of the WoW instances. But then you also talk about frontiers, where I presume you're doing PvE stuff, but there can be players from the other realms attacking you? That's right, yeah. So each each realm had its own frontier, and that's where PvE would happen. Um, so, uh, sorry, I should say RVR would happen. So you, you could you could be RVRing in your own frontier, or you could teleport, and that was, so you didn't have to teleport for that. You'd walk out of gates, and there you'd be in your own frontier, and you could be attacked by an enemy. Um, or you could take one of these teleport paths to one of the two enemy realms and be in their frontier and then, you know, jump, you know, their groups. I remember doing that, you know, ganking, you know, people leveling in the frontier. Their focus is on the monster they pull, and that's a perfect opportunity to go in and, and wipe them out if they're higher level than you are. And, and during a typical play session, does... Uh, so, so Mythic went on to do Warhammer Online... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you did. You meant you, you said you made. Did you not play Warhammer Online? I didn't, and that was just uh, purely a matter of not having a computer good enough to run it. Uh, well, well, I know one of the complaints about Warhammer Online is you would take control of uh, they're called strongholds or whatever, and it, it would pass control back and forth, and it it seemed like there was not much point in actually grabbing these. It was sort of like okay, now this player, this realm grabs this stronghold, and then they lose it, and it just seemed to some players kind of pointless. Uh, I presume that wasn't a problem in Realm vs. Realm and Dark Age of Camelot. Like, you, you guys really wanted to get these relics. Uh, right. Th- there, there was a strong drive to do this. Would relics change hands very often? Was that a rare occurrence? It, it depended on the server. Some servers were more imbalanced than others. And that, that was one of the big problems that I think Mythic had to face. Um, rightly or wrongly, there, there was a sense that some servers were dramatically unbalanced. And then there were so the over and sometimes they were and these overpopulated realms would go and grab the other relics from the other two sides and then hold them forever and they just did not change hands. I was lucky enough to play on a server with relatively good balance and that made all the difference and the good balance led to a good amount of healthy competition and uh, and I mentioned earlier sort of like offline but but I really meant out of game avenues of communication and so uh, 
the VN board, the IGN, were the big popular ones for Dark Age. They didn't have official forums then, so it was the only way in which people from opposing realms would taunt each other about the raids. And, uh, and <laughs> it, it was it was, and that was part of the game too. You know, it's the game outside of the game. Uh, that's part of what the appeal was for me. So I, I hear you talk about that, and I think of things like Eve Online, which is notorious for. Uh, what some players might consider cheating, but was actually part of the meta game, is the backstabbing and the traitors. And is there anything like that going on in realm versus realm when people communicate outside of the game? Can you be a member of one realm and basically spy, for instance? There were suspicions, there were rumors, window that that kind of thing was happening. Uh, whether it was or wasn't, you know, I don't know. Uh, at least not on my server. Uh, it probably was. You know, it was I, Voice chat programs weren't quite so popular um, back then. They existed, but they weren't quite so popular when I was playing. So, yeah, and as for how much, I guess technically, yeah, you, that could make all the difference because you just let the other realm know that a raid was underway to come and get one of the relics. And just a well-prepared enemy was almost impossible to defeat eventually because Mythic did start bumping up the amount of like very high-level guards that the relics had if the realm was underpopulated. Uh, and so they, they started doing some balancing things, and the element of surprise was always a key component. So if someone was trying to uh, ruin that, uh, say through the meta game, yeah, that was that was a problem. And but enough relics changed hands on the server I played on that I I don't think it was too much of a problem. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you talk about how much you played this, uh, how long did you play for? And in terms of like span of time, was it? And and why did you stop? Yeah, that's a good question. I I wish I'd i typed you know that slash played before quitting because that would have been interesting to know. Um, chronologically, I probably played for about three years. Uh, yeah, give or take, uh, maybe a year, <laughs> plus or minus a year, because I did come back to it after quitting for a little bit. I did come back, and uh, as for why I stopped, I think it was a question of needing the time back. Uh, just and also moving on. There was a real sense of I had done everything I wanted to do. I led raids to the other realms. I had tried the various classes uh, in Albion. Uh, some of them uh, I took far. Other ones I just tried and dropped right away. Tried uh, other realms on other servers. I, I kind of felt I'd explored the game and there was something new coming out that was supposed to be the bee's knees. So I thought it was time to switch. Uh, did anything fill that so you mentioned this is the game that you probably played more than any other game mm-hmm. i'm assuming you didn't then move on to this uh level of of fondness for something like world of warcraft like like nothing ever replaced dark age of camelot for you no nothing uh i went from dark age of camelot to shadowbane and from shadowbane to world of warcraft and and in terms of time investment it was you know a, a downwards curve uh from there so Shadowbane, I played quite a bit, but nowhere near as much. And then by the time I got to WoW, you know, I leveled up to 50. At the time, that was the cap. And, uh, and then I was pretty much done with it. When you were playing those games, you must have been mentally comparing them to Dark Age of Camelot. Uh, was that, did they pale in comparison? How did that comparison work in your head? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, in terms of each one, I did do the comparison, you're absolutely right. Uh, each one compared favorably in some ways and then unfavorably in others. So Shadowbane had this all-out PvP that just had no limit, no concept of a frontier. It was all the time, uh, and that was exciting, and that had its appeal, but the uh, it just crashed all the time. 
and that was not a problem that was uh, reserved to just my PC. So uh, that was my issue with Shadowban, really. Um, and then, wow, uh, with World of Warcraft, the comparison was very favorable, but I think it just lacked a certain the community, the sense of community, at least that I had gotten from Dark Age of Camelot, just wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you ever? You mentioned that sense of community. Did you ever meet in real life someone that you had initially met in the game? Yeah. Weirdly enough, my guild um, that I played with on a grain, the surfer I played on. I mean, I was living at that time in Ottawa, just not too far from where I live right now in Montreal. But I'm, I am in Canada. You'd think that's fairly hard to reach for most people. But um, there were quite a few of my guild members. Uh, the, my fellow guild members were from the area or close enough that uh, they came over. We had uh, we had a little meeting. It was just we had lunch. Uh, probably about six or seven of us. <laughs> what was that like? It was awkward. It was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it was like you don't know who what you want to call them by. Do you want to call them by <laughs> character name? It's 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 strange. <laughs> Did you keep in touch with any of them after that, or was it just like okay, we've met each other, let's go back into our game? Yeah, that was pretty much it. And you know, it may have been downhill from there. <laughs> I don't I, I don't think it was ever the same because I guess the face you keep in your head uh, is quite different from when you get the reality. It just pushes that out. Uh, I play a lot of Lord of the Rings on, well, I, not as much as I'd like to. I play more Lord of the Rings online than I have any other MMO. And it's got built in, uh, voice chat. And I just despise the idea, unless it's someone I already know, of, of listening to the voice of a real person attached to when, even when I'm grouping and there's all, and I'm totally into the game mechanics about, you know, tanking and aggro and whatnot. I just don't want to hear a real person's voice because I, I enjoy the illusion of their character model and the little noises the character models are, are making and whatnot, that I don't want to hear some random guy uh, talking. <laughs> uh, and, it, and have you raised this with your guildies? I mean, are they willing to turn it all off? Uh, or well, is the advantage that the voice chat brings just too too great to overcome? The, the advantage that voice chat brings is, is pretty great. The problem is I don't generally group with pickup groups. Uh, and the only sort of guildies, as it were, are folks from quarter to three, who I want to talk to. I feel a kinship to folks on quarter to three that I don't feel to other yahoos who happen to be playing Lord of the Rings online. Uh, so when I'm playing folks in the little guild that we have, I'm more than happy to chat. Like, I love talking to those guys, but it's mainly pickup groups that, I, you know what, you're here to help me with the game mechanics. I, I don't want to hear your voice. I just want to enjoy the illusion that you're an elf or a hobbit or, or something. Right, right. Pickup groups are, are not a good idea at the best of times. Throw voice chat into it, and I imagine it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there is there so so when you were had a guild in Dark Age of Camelot, you probably had the luxury of being able to log online. There's people there you know. You can get into larger groups. Uh, that must have been key to you enjoying the game, I guess. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, my guild. I think the guild's reputation was also a factor in the way that worked. Which is some guilds actually. It's amazing how they developed a reputation, good or bad being willing to help out, willing to respond. The interesting thing about the realm versus realm combat is, you know, some of these attacks were timed to be inconvenient um, to the other realm. So you, you hear, oh, there's a raid going on at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're about to go to bed. Do you stay on? My guild, we were the type of people who would say, well, you know, something's going down. We're going to stay up until uh, it's resolved one way or the other. And that sometimes meant long, long nights, which one okay. of the to give it up. I want you to think of the most egregious example of Dark Age of Camelot impacting your real life. Because uh, when you talk about that, like like maybe 
you know what? I'll sacrifice a little sleep tonight because there's yeah. this raid going down. Uh, what's the most egregious example you can think of? Oh, where... well, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I've got one like right away. Uh-huh. Set, right. Literally set an alarm for four o'clock in the morning, um, <laughs> just to wake up to do uh, you know a, a sneak raid that had been planned. Probably <laughs> in total, a hundred people got together to do this. Various time zones, so it wasn't quite so bad for everyone, but. Yeah, I mean, it was that's pretty. It's pretty hardcore when you stop and think about it. Uh, and was that in your earlier days or later days? Like, do you do you sort of lose that level of commitment the longer you play? Yeah, I would say that Kenny, that, that's the high. You know, the, if, if it's a, you know an inverted U-shaped curve, it, that would be the height of the U, um, the flipped over U. Uh, from there, that was it. So I'd say that was right in the middle. Once those kind of things were done and done with, there was an excitement to it. Um, once those things were done with. Uh, once you've done them once, I don't, I didn't feel a need to do it again. Those kind of raids did happen again, but it didn't, it mattered less and less over time. So, kind of. were were you ever a, a a guild officer or anything? Were you ever involved in any guild drama? Yeah, I, I was an officer. Um, never a, like a, never the guild master. Always just a, and drama. No, uh, the kind of guilds that attracted me were the kinds that were the kind of people that I would always play with uh, or prefer to play with. Mature. Uh, interesting, intelligent people who they didn't tend to generate drama. They had lives. They were, you know, the gamers with jobs type of people. Uh, they just wanted to play when they had time to play. That's it. Was there anyone on quarter to three that also played with you? Uh, I never played directly with anyone on quarter to three, though on the test server, I think I bumped into Atherin a few times. Uh, certainly I saw her on the forums. Uh, I was part of the, like, the test group, the beta test group. There was I was never a team lead, but there were those people who were very involved in the development. They, they gave Mythic the user's um, perspective on things, and I know she was active, and so often we had chatted on the boards. So she was a, a cleric, I believe, so she, you know, being another healer in Albion, uh, we you know we shared certain uh, opinions on things. I actually once got to cover a Dark Age of Camelot. Uh, I'm sure they had some name for it. It was a community meeting, I think in Las Vegas or something. Yeah, and, they, I remember they held those, yeah. And one of the things that I was struck by was how how there was this sense of real allegiance towards a realm. People didn't necessarily think of them as, uh, and this is just my outside perspective, it, it was based on a very small sample size, but I got the sense that people didn't think of themselves necessarily as Dark Age of Camelot players so much as uh, I'm in this realm. You know, I'm in Albion or I'm in... A, forget the names of the other ones, but th- there was a very strong sense of identification with your realm as a, as a sort of home team uh, that, that seemed to permeate it. It seemed to sort of, in a way, <laughs> create three separate groups at this user meeting. Uh, uh, it's interesting. I, I, I had never been to one, so I hadn't seen uh, the way that it worked out, but it, certainly that was the way it worked out um, on the boards uh, that, that were you know, popular for the discussion of these things. People were fiercely loyal to the realm. And the boards themselves were set up um, by server and then people divided into the realms just in terms of their discussions. And even in the flame wars, people, even if you wouldn't even necessarily agree with the person who is flaming, if they were part of your realm, you wanted to support them. (laughs) Uh, Now, one of the complaints that has been leveled at Mythic, uh, and I'm curious if you think this is fair or not, uh, they infamously don't have their official forums. I mean, they they started doing that only for Warhammer Online a few months ago. Uh, did you get the sense that, that Mythic was insulated from the community or that they were responsive to the community? How how do you feel they did on that front? See, that, that's the amazing thing. They they did it so right on one level and so wrong on the other. I mean, they had they were the first, as far as I know. They um, probably they weren't the first, but I'm going to go out there and say they were the first people I know who had a 
community manager. It was uh, Sanya. I think uh, her name is, uh, I can't remember what her last name was then. I think it's Weathers now. She's married. She was their community manager. She was great at kind of keeping people updated as to what was happening with the game, uh, changes that were being made. Um, they had a they had, they had their site that was designed for that. And then there were, so that they did that part well. They, I thought they were good about informing their players what was coming. And then, of course, they had those kind of private boards for, for players who were part of the betas. Um, I'm part of the test groups, the team leads, and they were good about listening to those people too. And uh, I remember specifically for the Friar class, there was a bug uh, with one of the, and I sat there and proved it with logs. I just tried and tried and tried, and I sent it to them, and they were they listened and they changed the the issue. So they were they were willing to certainly listen, but not having those official forums and kind of leaving it to a third party company, I think they gave up a bit with that as well. Right. Right. Uh, and I, so you, you say you booted it up recently to take a look. Uh, what, what was, actually, did you, you, you looked at the wiki, I think you said. Yeah, I looked at the wiki. I, I thought about reinstalling it. I'd have to do that in bootcamp because I was uh, mentioning, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Mac user now. I switched over. I, oh. I do have a, I have a Windows install and I do boots into it. Whatever, so. Corey, I'm that's, telling that's you. That's like Demigod. You're <laughs> a stone's throw from Farmville. Just, just give in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not there yet. I, I'll, hey, I installed Demigod on my bootcamp partition, so I think uh, that's a little bit of credit. That might be a little too hardcore for you. I don't know that you're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't last too long. I played for a little bit, but uh, but so yeah, I mean, uh, did, would I, I, I? So I haven't reinstalled it. I thought about it just just for the sake of checking things out. I, I don't know that I will. I, I don't think I can. I think I've, it's behind me now. It's it's a part part of my past, and I just don't think. I think I'm going to start letting nostalgia do its job, and, and I'll just remember it fondly, and not the problems that did prop up. I mean, we haven't talked about the expansions, but uh, those were really one of the game killers for me. Why were those game killers? Uh, one in particular, well, which was it? Uh, the the one that introduced the Trials of Atlantis. Yeah, I mean, they introduced this need to grind again, PVE, oh. and in such a way that if you didn't, it would hurt you in, in Realm versus Realm. And that, that was, for me, was an issue, which is I had been done with the grind. I was really committed to doing this, this realm versus realm stuff now. And to have to go back and do these kind of lame quests that were incredibly long, required huge groups of people. This is where they introduced kind of the raid concept. Uh, just, it wasn't what I wanted to be playing at that point. Did that did that cause a lot of player grumbling? Was that an unpopular? Yeah, that was that was one of the bad ones. Eventually, I remember Mythic went ahead and created servers that were kind of free of the enhancements that, that those those expansions brought, so you could kind of get back to a more classic style of realm versus realm. Could you transfer so they, characters they, to those servers, or did you have to start anew? Uh, I don't remember. I suspect it was character transfer because they had added that at a certain point, so uh, it was probably doable. And when you stopped playing, uh, was it easy or was it something, was it like quitting smoking? How did that go for you? Yeah, well, I've never having been a smoker, I can't directly compare it. Oh, that's right. You don't even drink coffee barely. You wouldn't yeah. know. <laughs> right, right. Though, you know, look, I do know a little bit about addiction. And that's one of the benefits of studying psychology, clinical psychology. I know the technical definitions of what constitutes an addiction. And, you know, I'd say, yeah, I may have had say five of the criteria which is all you really need to technically have a, an addiction to a substance uh you know uh, it was hard uh, there was a process there was definitely a, a difficult process of kind of cutting myself off i tried the weaning and then i tried the cold turkey and 
it was withdrawal. <laughs> and I think in the end, uh, it was just moving on to something else and then doing that less. It was that's what worked for me. Well, now I'm curious. Does that at all inform your decision to study psychology? Is that is that part of what yeah, you want um, to look at? Um, it's uh, my research is not really looking at that directly, though my, the the area that I do research, I, I I work in stress research actually, and one of the things that we do look at, um, other stress researchers, and I've I've read the studies, they are looking at the use of video games uh, in terms of helping people with uh, stress disorders. Uh, PTSD is a classic example. Uh, there's there's quite a few people that have done good work there, so. Uh, will I, it myself, uh, in my research, I'm just kind of planning it out now, will I do something uh, gaming-related? Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, you, you mentioned that you might have had those five uh, criteria for addiction. Uh, you're, are you totally past that? Are you tempted to ever go back into MMOs? Is that something that still pulls you? Yeah. Um, what was I most recently tempted by? Uh, I think was seeing that people were playing Lord of the Rings online from quarter to three nearly got me to play it. I'm also, I mean, I love Tolkien's work, so uh, it would have been nice to have seen that world just from the inside. Uh, I, there's a couple that are coming out that I've kind of heard about, uh, the, the old Republic one that BioWare is working on. I mean, they do an amazing single-player role-playing game, so I'm kind of curious to see how that turns out. So the answer you know, to your question, could I be tempted back? Yes, but... My time being as limited as it is, I don't know that I'd be able to do it the way that I did with Dark Age. You could always just take a semester off, you know. Yeah, I, hey, you know, people have, people have done it. I, I, yeah, I, I would call that pathological. So. Well, if you do decide to give in, come join us on Lord of the Rings Online. They've, they've just added these awesome skirmish missions, which are sort of like playing a tower defense game with your character. Uh, so just consider taking a semester off, joining us. The the first 30 days are free, and you can quit any time you want. You're a pusher, Tom. <laughs> uh, well, Corey, thank you so much for talking to me, but I, I'm afraid now I'm going to ask you a random question. Oh, I, don't, awesome. I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but we do a random question of the week, uh, and if you answer this, and this is actually also bad, uh, the, the uh, prize this week is a game you already have, I'm afraid. Um, That's okay. However, it would make a good gift. So the, the stakes this week are for a copy of Assassin's Creed 2 for the Xbox 360, uh, which is an excellent game. You already have it, but it would make a good gift. Hey, mine's still in its wrapper. I could return it. Exactly. There you go. Uh, so if you answer this question, and there will be a, a post on the forum, uh, you will go into a drawing for a copy of Assassin's Creed 2, which was donated by Eric Mikett. Uh, one of the other fellows on the forum ended up with an extra copy, and he sent it to me, and I will mail it to whoever in the North America, uh, in the U.S. Uh, I'm a, I apologize to everyone in, in Europe and Thailand and whatnot. Uh, you have to be localish. Uh, the question is, and, and I apologize, Corey, because this is a really stupid one, and I'll explain <laughs> it in a minute. But the question there are no is, stupid question. no, this is a, this is a stupid one. This is a really stupid one, and I I have no idea if someone asked me this, what I would say. The question is, you ready? Why won't my monitor turn on? Uh, because it's not plugged in. You know, I kind of knew. Like, that's what else are you going to say? So the reason I have to ask a dumb question like that is before we were asking these sort of fun, provocative questions that would foster discussion, but a couple of people ruined the joke. So we are, yeah. we are moving the joke now. It's going to go into the hardware and technical support section. 
And what you have to do is post in this thread using the word backwards. Fit it in there however you want. I don't know how you're going to fit that in there. You don't even have to try to answer the question. It's just going to be one of these innocuous looking threads. Why my monitor won't, uh, why won't my monitor turn on? That's going to be the name of the thread. Uh, my monitor is actually Brilliant. fine. Uh, there's no problem. I wondered how you're going to solve this problem and moving into another forum, another yeah, sub forum. Yeah, and, and we'll eventually go back and other people will get actual questions that are fun to ask. But for this week, we're stealthing it into the hardware section with a boring technical uh, question. And just to reassure everyone, my monitor's working fine. It turns on just fine. So uh, just get something in there with the random word backwards. So, well, uh, Corey, thank you so much for talking to me. We will be seeing you around on the forum. Uh, by the way, congratulations on not playing MMOs. I personally feel that they hurt other video games. People who play MMOs, they only play that, and they don't buy other video games, and they, they help hurt the industry. So Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I played nothing else in my dark age times. Now I play all kinds of stuff. That's right. You're, you're buying right. Modern Warfare 2 and Assassin's Creed 2 and, uh, yeah. and, and uh, Wii games and whatnot. And iPhone games and, and, and of course, Farmville. Oh, so yeah, in Farmville, yeah. So be sure to friend me for Farmville. Real quick before we go, just because I'm such a convert to this and I'm so into them, uh, what are what are a couple of iPhone games that you really dig? Uh, yeah, so I, I, right now, Spider, I mean, it's obviously big. Unawara, I'm in, I'm in that eight-player game along with you, so that's great. I'm starting my iPhone app, going on, flip to the, my, I keep all my games. Uh, oh, Must Eat Birds, I don't know if you've tried that yet. <laughs> I love the name of that, Must Eat oh, Birds? It's crazy. Like a fake pseudo Japanese like bouncing game uses the iPhone touchscreen really well and like highly kind of addictive te- uh, Tetris like bejeweled like I can't really describe it try it okay I love that title even if the game sucks I love that title it's awesome oh, yeah you'll okay. love it Birds and Frantic would be the two that uh, I, I don't think you've tried yet wait what was the other one Frantic Frenzic with a Z or Z sorry you're <laughs> what's a Z Frenzic okay good good those are those are awesome tips uh, no problem. All right, thank you very much, Corey. We'll be seeing you around on the forum. And uh, join us next week. Oh, good Lord, I don't even know who's on next week. Hold on one second. Uh, While I look up who's on next week, um, I should probably be more prepared. Uh, Okay, so next week we will have... Oh, oh, this will be great. Uh, Jason Lutz, uh, who uh, is a a comic book artist who I've actually met in person. He's a great guy. Uh, We'll be here to talk about uh, Armageddon Empires and Solium Infernum. Uh, oh, you, awesome. So you're not playing either of those, I take it. Like you're not part. I of want to. Doesn't run on the Mac. I was kind of disappointed to see that Soul Demon Infernum uh, that he's delaying it. Uh, he uh, the page originally said Mac. I was definitely going to buy it, and then he changed his mind at the last second. It looked like. Well, I have a feeling if a port ever comes out, we'll still be playing it. That that's a game with serious legs. So awesome. I'll be in once it arrives. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me, Tom. Sure thing. Take care now.